Midnight Realism by William Sanford From Weird Tales, November 1925 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman Midnight Realism by William Sanford Mighty glad to see you, old man, exclaimed my host, Jimmy Carson, as he extended his hand and met mine with a hearty shake. Quite a little storm we're having. I'd have met you, only, as I wired, Dan doesn't get back until very late with the car, and the bus is far more comfortable on a night like this anyway. Guess it will be too wet for partridge shooting tomorrow, but I have plenty of books, and an old billiard table stands in one of the rooms here. You'll make out somehow, and day after tomorrow we'll make it warm for the birds. Don't worry about me, Jim, I answered. I'm always content under your roof, and never have found a lack of pleasure. And then I've never seen your new home, you know, and I'll be mighty glad to spend a few hours tomorrow looking it over. Used to be an old tavern, didn't it? Right, replied my friend. And pretty old, too, I can tell you. It was more than two hundred years since this place was built, but it has been kept in good repair. Most of the timber is as sound as the day it was put in. They used real lumber in those days. The profiteering sharks were not so numerous. I bought the place because my boy took such a fancy to it. He is everything to me since my wife died. I nodded understandingly. And I'll bet that's an old portrait over in the next room yonder, I remarked, indicating a large, full-length canvas of a beautiful young woman. Know who she was? Have a smoke, Carson replied, and extended the box. He selected a cigar himself, and we settled ourselves comfortably before a wood fire. For I knew, from the look on my friend's face, that a story was forthcoming. Yes, he replied, what a beautiful creature was the wife, so the story goes, of the man who built this place. He was besides the owner of the tavern, a painter of some ability, as that canvas shows. He died when still young, it is said, his grief-stricken widow, unable to endure existence without him, ended her life with a dagger in the very room where the portrait hangs. Soon after, so the tale goes, an old witch of the town made a prediction that once in every hundred years, exactly on the hour of midnight, the wife would step from the portrait and go through the act of killing herself, just as she killed herself on the fatal night so long ago. I suppose the prediction was believed by many, for the words of the so-called witches were not taken lightly in those days. Well, I drew a cloud of smoke from my fragrant Havana and idly watched the rings floating off toward the chimney. At least one anniversary of the hundred years must have taken place. Did she step from the portrait? Jim laughed. There is a tale that she did, he replied. But, of course, in those days no one takes any stock of it. The story goes that a group of men were in this very room, making merry with liquor and song, when someone told the legend of the picture and the witch's prediction. Everyone got to talking about it, 
and the tale with the liquor works strongly on their imaginations for they claim that on the stroke of midnight a woman did step from the portrait and stab herself that's what liquor will do to some minds i suppose they would have seen six women if that had been in the story that helped work them up he laughed and relighted his cigar which had gone dead and by the way he added that is just a hundred years ago tonight a hundred years ago tonight i said why then the portrait is due to come to life again in less than an hour and in spite of myself i felt a touch of goose flesh creep over my spine jim laughed again yes he said and a real act is going to be slated just for our benefit my boy dan as you know is a vaudeville performer his star act is a female impersonation scene a tragedy scene in which a woman kills herself with a dagger he's putting on the act this week over at kingsby about ten miles from here he'll be back any moment now i've promised to turn off all the lights and he is going to work up some phosphorus effect and pretend to step from the portrait just as the hour tolls midnight he's going through with the act just as a woman is said to have done it and he says he will make it so realistic we will just about think it's the real thing dan has a lot of ability and will give us a real thrill it's almost half after eleven now suppose i turn off the lights and we can smoke over here by the fire it won't throw any glow into the next room and spoil the phosphorus effect dan will be here in a few minutes he's going to come from the theater right in his stage costume with his makeup on he'll get in by the track way and we'll never know he's here until we see him in the portrait act it will give us a better thrill than if we saw him first in the costume and talked with him i'll say it will i answered with fervor hear that rain beating down those pine trees moaning in the wind if there was ever a night made for ghosts and goblins this is one of them we'll get the full effect all right and i cannot say that it was with complete joy that i watched my friend turn off every light in the place the minutes ticked by far away in the town below i heard the clock strike the half hour after eleven that's the tower clock said jim in a low voice it's always right to the second and almost a hundred years old everything around here seems to be old i replied uneasily i suppose some witch predicted that the clock would always be right and a goblin winds it every week with a key made out of witch smoke jim laughed but there was a bit of unsteadiness in his laugh sort of get you that story about the woman doesn't it he said and this being the anniversary of the night she is due to appear let's have a drink it'll steady us up a bit that damn wind in the pine trees seems almost alive thanks i said jim arose and from the sideboard produced a bottle and glasses we drank each other's health and then to dan's success and the success of the performance we were about to see just one more jim muttered and commenced to fill the glasses as he did so the clock in the tower far away began to toll the hour of midnight with a muttered ejaculation jim dropped the glass he was filling and it fell to the floor 
breaking into a thousand tiny pieces that glittered in the firelight. Look, he whispered, the light. Yes, a light was gathering out of the inky blackness of the next room, just where the portrait hung. But it was not as if created by phosphorus, but rather a weird, unnatural glow, unlike anything that could be created through human skill. Great, Jim whispered. Isn't he a genius? I'll bet that's something of his own invention. See, the portrait seems to be moving. Say, isn't that effect astonishingly real? That boy's fortune is made. He'll be recognized before long as the most famous in the business. Yes, the portrait was moving. Slowly, the canvas seemed to open and fade away into nothing and from the great frame there stepped the figure of a beautiful young woman. Her face was as clear and white as ivory, and a great mass of silken hair of the yellowest gold flowed down her back, reaching almost to her waist. I heard Jim's breath come quick and short. By Jove, he muttered. If I didn't know it was Dan, I wouldn't believe. Isn't that a make-up, though? Talk about a star act. How the devil does he get that portrait opening effect? It ought to be worth a fortune, a trick like that. I muttered something to indicate that I agreed, and that the working out of the act was as great a mystery to me as to my friend. Then we both gasped. From the bosom of her flowing robes the woman drew a bright, shiny dagger, and her lips parted. I come, she said softly. I come, beloved, to join you. With a quick movement she sank the dagger to the hilt in her breast, and with a half-choking moan slipped gradually to the floor. Jim and I leapt to our feet. "'Bravo!' shouted my friend, and I echoed the word. "'Some act, old boy. Your fortune's made when you can do stuff like that,' I shouted. "'For God's sake, turn on the lights, Jim. There's goose-flesh enough on me to feed a whole poultry yard.' Me too, Jim answered, fumbling for the switch. Let's catch him and make him show us how he did it with the lights on. Here it is. And the next instant both the room in which we stood and the portrait room were flooded with electric glow. Come on, Jim shouted. He's probably in the room beyond the portrait one. There are rooms enough in this place for half a dozen families. How in heaven's name did he get that dagger effect? I'll swear I saw something red staining the white gown just as she fell. Dagger blade must have slid up into the handle, but it surely was realistic. We started for the room beyond where the portrait looked down on us, calm and restful, as we had seen it earlier in the evening. Suddenly the telephone rang out sharp and clear. Jim turned to the table and picked up the receiver. Hello? Yes, this is Carson's place. Carson talking. What? Who did you say? My God! The receiver fell from Jim's hand, struck the table, and rolled off, falling to the length of the cord, then dragging the telephone after it. The instrument clattered to the floor. Jim turned his face to me. It was soaked with great drops of perspiration, as white as death. That was Dan! he muttered thickly, speaking each word as if it were choking him. It was such a storm, 
he decided to wait and come in the morning he didn't leave kingsley at all the end of midnight realism by william sanford